Welcome to the Elevate Life podcast channel. We hope this sermon encourages and inspires you so you can go and grow to your next level. For more information about our church, please visit our website, elevate.life. Enjoy the message. Hi, I'm Keela. I'm the middle daughter of Pastor Keith and Sheila. If you haven't noticed, my name is a mixture of their names. And I'm the middle child. It's perfect. Um, but I'm actually a pastor here. I lead our women's ministry and our schools, so our preschool and our leadership college, which has applications open right now if you're interested in the lobby. And um, I'm excited to share a message with you today. You know, when Pastor Keith asked me to share a message, I instantly thought of Gideon. And how many of you guys have ever heard of Gideon? Yeah? Well, I'm going to tell you some things that I learned because I don't know about you, but sometimes like I've read stories in the Bible, I've heard messages preached and I'm like, yeah, I know who that guy is. I know that story. But then like, you know, at a different season of your life, you read it again or you hear it again. You're like, whoa, how did I miss that before? (laughs) And maybe it's because you're more mature. Maybe it's because you've been through different things. But I know for me, I've faced battles in my life and I've faced things in my life. And just reading this story again at the season that I'm in in life reminded me how much I wanna be a warrior for God, how important that is to me and what that actually looks like. So today I'm gonna tell you a little bit of the story and hopefully unfold some truths for you so you walk out of here today empowered to be a legend yourself. So, you know, how many of you today would say, I'm either in a fight or I just got out of one? Okay, whether you know it or not, even the person next to you is in a fight. A lot of us just go through life and we're in this fight, right? For some of you, maybe the last two and a half years has made you realize I'm in a fight. but. Each one of us is in some kind of fight, whether it's for our family, our finances, our freedom, our health, our marriage, for our kids, whatever it is that's for you today, we're in a fight. And the thing that I want to just start off by saying to you is that you are divinely anointed by God to fight the fight that you are in. God is with you. And the thing that I want to ask you is, are you with God? Because God's standing at the victory line saying, come over here and win. And our only job is to follow him into that victory. I want to start just by kind of pointing out in the beginning of this story what happens with Gideon. So in Judges 6, we see that he's actually in a wine press and he is basically cutting wheat. And the reason why he's in a wine press cutting wheat, which doesn't that seem kind of weird? (laughs) He's in a wine press cutting wheat because for the last seven years, the Midianites have come. And every time the people of God who are the Israelites, every time that their crops come to harvest, every time, you know, we would say like maybe in the spring, you know, like the animals, everything's great. We're wanting to eat a lot. (laughs) The Midianites would come and they would take their entire harvest. They would take everything. So they were left with nothing for seven years. And so Gideon is actually, he's cutting this wheat in secret because he doesn't want it to get taken. And just like to kind of give you some context here, because we're in the book of Judges. Judges were people that were called by God and powered by God to unite the people of God to stand against the enemies of God. And after 40 years of them being like in victory and in peace. This has been happening for the last seven years. And here in Judges 6, 1 through 6, we see that the people were very poor and they cried out to God. 
They were tired of dealing with what they were dealing with and they cry out to God. And I don't know about you, but have you ever felt like in your in like your best season or in like the best moment, you're like, surely great stuff is gonna happen. And then like the rug gets swept out beneath your feet and you're like, wait a second, I thought this was gonna be my best month ever. I thought this was gonna be my best year ever. I thought this was the year of promise. <laughs> I thought this was the month of miracles, you know? And I thought this was gonna happen for me. And it just seems like things don't work out. Has anyone ever been there? So I wanna show you a, an image of what the Israelites keep going through their cycle back here, you'll see. But basically what happens is their sin, they call it to God, he rescues them, then they're faithful, then they sin again, and then it just keeps going. And it's funny because like whenever I read about the Israelites, I'm like, they're not smart. Like, why don't they just stay with God and like follow God and then they'd be fine. But we do this same thing. We're like, God, you're so faithful. And then like we step into sin and we're like, God, I need your help. And then he rescues us and we're like, yeah, God, you're faithful. And then we just keep going. <laughs> and so they're in the cycle right now where they're calling out to God. Maybe you're in that place too today. But so basically what happens is, as Gideon is threshing the sweet, God comes to him and he says, mighty warrior, the Lord is with you. And he goes, like this angel's talking to him and he goes, pardon me? Are you talking to me? I am the least of my family. My family is the least of the people and I am no hero. And the angel basically says, you're strong. Go and save Israel from the power of Midian. I am sending you. I will be with you. So you will strike down the Midianites. You will leave no one alive. But he's currently hiding to cut wheat. See, that's like a weird dynamic. Like imagine in your life, you're like in a season where you're like, I don't want anyone to see what I'm doing. I'm just trying to take care of myself. I'm just trying to hold on to what I've got. And God's like, mighty warrior. You're like, me? <laughs> like that's how Gideon felt in this moment. And Gideon, you know, he was a judge that was appointed by God, but he was a judge who doubted God. And more than that, he doubted himself. Gideon, you know, he saw himself a certain way, but he encounters God and God's talking to him like a different person than he sees himself. And I wanna tell you today that God is the only person who has the power to rename you or give you a new identity. We need to stop letting other people or even ourselves decide who we are because God knows who you are, even when you don't see it in a moment, even when you don't feel like you're operating in your strength. God knows who you are and he knows what he's called you to do. So he speaks to you that way, not based on how you feel. And so Gideon asks, he asks God, because here's the thing with the Israelites, here's what happened. They go through their time of being rescued from Egypt. They have all these seasons where they're following God, not following God. They just came out of 40 years of victory. And now they've been in seven years of just getting stolen from. And basically what happens is, is that they've turned to these false or idols, supplementing it with their God, who's the true God. So it's kind of like they got a backup plan. Just in case God doesn't come through, they're gonna worship over here and they're gonna do this because that was the way of the Canaanite people where they were. So they were like, oh, this is culture. This is what they know. This is what they're telling us. So we might as well add that to our beliefs. Can't you see that a lot happening today? And you know, the thing that I would tell you is, so Gideon, he's, he's talking to God saying, 
He goes, his response is, so you're saying you're going to deliver us, you're going to free us, and you're going to use me. But what have you been doing for the last seven years? And it's interesting here because I think it's a lot easier as a human to point the finger or blame rather than take responsibility for why you are where you are or why you're facing what you're facing. And it can be easier for us to just say, well, it's because of them or it's because of that or it's my boss or it's my spouse or it's my kids or you don't understand instead of going, well, what can I do? And God didn't even address that with him because the truth was the people had walked away from him. So they were experiencing what it felt like to not have the covering of God. Sometimes that happens in our life. We don't have the covering of God because we stepped out of it and we're like, God, where are you? He's like, come back. <laughs> but here's what's interesting. God didn't address that with him. He was just focused on the fact that God had empowered Gideon to change things for the better. That's what he stayed focused on. Imagine if we focus not on everyone around us or what was wrong or what wasn't going right and we started thinking about what we could do to make something better. We have a solutions-focused God. God is way more focused on changing you than changing your situation. But the cool thing is when you change, your situation changes. God calls Gideon a mighty warrior, but he was in hiding. It doesn't quite make sense, but that's who God saw Gideon as, not who he saw himself as. But here's the cool thing. When you encounter God, you are not the same person you used to see yourself as. You're not even the same person that other people used to see yourself as. We get to be who God's called us to be when we learn who God is. And, you know, we all have excuses. I can't tell you how many excuses I've had in my life for different things. There was one time this intern that said, uh, whenever they were in, the, in our class, the interns were like having all these excuses. And they said, the only excuse is the excuse. Sometimes that goes through my mind a lot. But we have excuses, but God has answers. He sees more in you and knows more about what you're capable of than you do. And your crisis or problem or issue that you're fighting right now is not more powerful and it cannot get you out of the reach of God. In fact, your crisis and your problem and your issue that you're fighting can actually set you up for your calling. In Judges, we see this, but it's interesting because Gideon multiple times asked God, when God tells him, this is who you are, this is what I want you to do, which how cool would that be? Like how many of you have gone through life and you're like, God, if you could just tell me who I am, if you could just show me what I'm called to do, I would do it. Like, have you ever thought that? You're like opening your Bible, I've done this. Open your Bible and you're like, God, speak to me. Numbers two, no, that wasn't right. You know, like, <laughs> we're so desperate for God to speak to us, but he's talking to you all the time. And here he talks to Gideon and Gideon's like, uh, if you're pleased with me, can you give me a sign? He asks him for a sign. God gives it to him. And God's response is, may peace be with you. Do not be afraid. You're not going to die. Some of us needed to hear that during COVID seasons. May peace be with you. Do not be afraid. You're not going to die. Now, if you have a purpose still on this earth, which the cool thing about being a believer is you have a purpose off of this earth too. But if you still have a purpose on this earth, nothing can take you out. 
I've had friends that were in plane crashes and they were the only survivors. I've had like tons of friends that have been in car accidents or dealt with different health issues and they're still here. If God wants you here, you will be here. No man and nothing else can take you out. And so Gideon was smart at this point because God said to him, may peace be with you. Guess what he did? He built an offering and called it the Lord is peace. How often in our life when God does something for him, we don't remember it. And then we go through something else and we're like, God, why? And if we could just remember what he's done, which is kind of like an altar, we wouldn't have to keep feeling that over and over again because we could go, oh, but he did it here or he did it for them, he'll do it for me. That's what an altar reminded them of. So they had become people, they were looking for answers outside of the true God. And in Judges 6, after Gideon had already asked God, will you do something for me once he told him he wanted to, him to defeat the Midianites, he goes, okay, I want you to go to your father's house. This is an interesting twist in the story. He goes, I want you to go to your father's house and tear down the idol to Baal and Asherah. His father had an idol God that other people would come and worship. Yes, they still recognized God as God, but they just were adding to it, right? But it was in his own father's house. So he brings 10 other people with him at night to do it because he's scared of his family. He's scared of other people. And he's just like, I'll do it, God, but I'll do it where I'm comfortable. <laughs> How many times have we done that? We do like obedience where we're like, I'm okay with being obedient this way but I don't want to do it in the middle of the day by myself. So I'm going to bring 10 people with me and then do it at night. So the next morning, everyone wakes up. They're so upset at Gideon. First of all, how did they know it was Gideon? There was only 10 people with him at night. One of those people betrayed him. Have we not ever been there in our life? We think people are with us and all of a sudden we're like, you, what? I thought you were my dude, you know? They're wanting to kill Gideon now because they know he's the one that tore it down. He didn't just tear it down. God told him, then build the right kind of altar. Build it to honor the Lord your God on top of this hill. So don't just tear it down, but build the right kind of altar. So they are so mad that they start mockingly calling him Jerubbabel, which means opponent to Baal. And his dad, who is the one that had the altar area for Baal, they're like trying to kill his son and he stands up and he says, if Baal's so great, why doesn't he defend himself? Y'all don't need to kill my son for that. Let him defend himself. So then they were like, that's true. So they don't kill him. And just so for some context, Baal, that name means master and he was actually the God responsible for, for fertility of the land, which you see why that would be appealing to them because everything keeps getting stolen from them. So when we look at this, what happens after this moment is the Midianites gathered a large army and God basically says to Gideon, he says, okay, I need you to go spread the word that we're building an army. And in Judges 6, 36, we see it says, you promised that you would save Israel once again. So please do something for me. He asked God to show himself again, which we know, a lot of us know this story. He gets out a piece of wool, puts it on the ground and says, make the wool wet with dew, but then the ground's dry. And then that happens, God does it. Then guess what he does the next day? Hey God, also once, just so I can really be sure you're asking me to build this army, how about make the ground wet and the wool dry? 
Have you ever tested God like that? Like if this light turns green, that means you, uh, you're gonna give me this job. If, um, like, these are just all things that go through our mind as humans, you know? Like, uh, let me see. If that guy looks at me, it means he's my husband. Like, <laughs> we do the weirdest things, guys. We just do. It's like trying to find answers in things. But God, God does it, okay? And so Gideon gathers a group of men. He was able to gather 32,000 men. That would be like, yeah, God asked you to do something. You're like, yeah, I got 32,000. Mm. And then God goes, hey, I know you gathered all these men, but there's too many. What? You didn't give me a limit. So then God goes, I want you to basically tell them if they're scared, they can go home. Okay. So he tells all the men, hey, guys, if you're scared, you can go home. 22,000 men left. a lot of people that left. So what ends up happening is those men left, and I just was thinking about that, like why, why would God tell him to tell them if they're scared they can go home? Well, if we haven't learned anything in the last two and a half years, we've learned that fear is contagious, but so is faith. So we gotta have the right people going into battle, because imagine if they would have gotten on the battlefield, gotten afraid, and 22,000 people ran away. That would have created a lot of chaos. If you're gonna go into battle, you gotta be bold. So I wanna show you this picture because I'm a visual person. So this is what the army looked like at 32,000. There's a lot of people, okay? That would feel pretty good. You're like, yeah, we're coming. Then it goes down, 22,000. You got about 10,000-ish there, okay? Then it goes down to 300. <clears throat> that doesn't feel as good. Like if you were in that army, you'd be like, like that guy over in the back, I'm exposed, like hide me. <laughs> but guess how they got down to that number? God basically tells them to go down and watch the men drink. I don't know how you watch 10,000 men drink, but he did it. And basically what happened is you had men that drank on their hands and knees like this down at the water, and then you had men that drank from their hands. And... So 9,700 men bowed down and drank from the water like this. And something that's interesting to me about Gideon in this story is that for every time Gideon asked God to prove himself, he was faithful to respond. But then God asked for even more trust and a deeper commitment each time. You can see how he would ask God, God, can you just show me so I know? Can you just show me so I'm sure? And then God would say, yes, but then you have too many men. Oh, you have too many men again. And I need you to go against even what your family's doing. I need, like, do you see how he wants him to go deeper every time? And it's interesting because a lot of us, like, we'll ask God for things, but then, like, we don't want to give him anything else back. We just want him to prove himself. So basically God tells him, if these men drink like this, send them home, which seems kind of harsh. But according to Judges 8.10, there were 135,000 enemy troops. 135,000, and now we're down to 300 soldiers. There are people that, in a battle, they will get to wait and watch and even enjoy the victory, but they will not be a part of the victory because they don't know how to pass their tests. 
you know, Jesus said, like some of you guys, like me, like I had to go into this deep because I was like, why does anyone care the way that someone drinks? In John 7, 37 and 38, it says, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. So I wanna ask you today, how do you drink? Which is, how do you, like what do you do in God's presence? Are you in God's presence or are you just drinking of the world? Most of us get up and we scroll Instagram or news feeds before we ever engage with God, our creator. The reason why we even woke up that morning and are breathing. We sang a lot about breathing today. I don't know if you realize that. Our breath is powerful. Some people's breath is powerful, but <laughs> that's what I thought when we were singing that. But it, <laughs> it is really amazing to think how we just sidebar God and we do what's easiest, like a filler. Like, I don't know about y'all, but it's a lot easier for me to drink like a cherry Coke than it is to drink water. And then I go through all day and then I'm like, I'm so thirsty. And I drink, I like chug water, but we shouldn't get to that point and we shouldn't get to that point with God. We're like, God, I need you. You should be drinking in his presence all along. And so you may think that the people who lapped up the water, got chosen, the people who did this. Like I've heard this preached this way and I'm not saying it's incorrect. I just had a different revelation when I was studying from things I heard and read. But I have heard it preached and it's even in Bible studies and stuff like that, that the men who drank like this, the reason why they were chosen is because they kept their eyes on the enemy. They had their eyes aware. And these people who were down here, sorry, down here like this, they couldn't see anything so they weren't aware. But I had this revelation that the enemy wants you to get distracted by what he's doing and what's going on around you so much to where you can't even pay attention to what God is doing. And the devil is all about getting your attention away from God. He wants all of your attention. He wants you to think about what the enemy's doing. And so I want you to think about this. Headed towards the greatest battle of their lives, they were armed fully. Like you don't go to battle with a pool noodle. <laughs> I'm coming for you. Like, you don't do that, that's weird. <laughs> they were fully armed. So I wanna give you this visual. I'm gonna try not cut myself. This is um, pretty similar to the kind of sword that they would use back in the day. Okay. To drink down here with your hands down, you could hold your weapons you could hold your spears, you could hold your sword, and you could just drink and pop back up and be ready for battle. But if you wanted to actually drink from your hands, you had to lay everything down. You couldn't be distracted by being prepared. And whenever I was looking up just different background on things, the word in the Hebrew, proskuneo, it means to kiss like a dog licking his master's hand, reverence to adore, to worship. You know, a lot of times in our life, we think that we're gonna be able to take care of things or destroy things, destroy our enemy with what we have in our hands, with our power. Well, let me ask you this, why hasn't it worked yet? We keep trying and it's not working. We're trying so hard to fight our battle. We're trying so hard to fix our marriage. We're trying so hard to do this and to make this happen. And you're just waking up tired. 
You're just living exhausted, spiritually, emotionally. Why isn't that working? Because you don't need everything you thought you would to win. How you win is you lay down your way. Maybe, you know, it's at work or any of the ways that I said, but think about it. Think about everything you've done to fix it, to study about it, to be stronger, to get equipped with the right knowledge, but we're missing it because it's not a what we need, but a who we need. Gideon and his men prepared themselves for battle. And God told Gideon something so weird. He told him to go down to the enemy's camp to be encouraged. 134,700 men waiting. That's like where they're outmanned. It's the number that they're outmanned by. Waiting. And he's going to go there and be encouraged. I'm confused by that. I'm sure he was too, but he did it. And he heard two soldiers talking. The first one said that he had a dream of a great barley loaf. That's a really big piece of bread. And it rolled into the camp and flattened a tent. The second soldier, you know, that could seem weird, but some of our dreams are really weird. I know my sister tells me dreams that she has. I'm like, what? I'm not following. But this guy was like, oh, big piece of bread going through the, okay. He has the interpretation. He goes, Gideon and the Israelites are going to destroy our camp. Okay, what do we get from this? This is exactly how you're supposed to listen to the devil. The devil is afraid of the power within you. In Judges 7.10, when God tells him to go listen to the enemy, it seems weird for him to do that. But he wanted to show him that he was already going before him. He was giving even the enemy dreams that they were going to win. Some of us walk around scared of the devil, scared of the other side of the spiritual realm, not realizing you are an heir in the kingdom of God and you have authority and you have power. And if you realize, this is what the enemy's scared of. If you realize how much power you have, you might just operate in it. Some of us are wondering why the devil, like the devil's winning. The devil's just got it. He's got me again. No, you gave him you because he has no authority without you. You're the one that's letting him in. You're the one that's giving him room. And so many of us don't realize we're walking around. We have this crown God's given us and we're walking around like peasants. So whenever I'm just looking at this picture, he tells him to go there to be encouraged. Gideon then goes back excited to prepare his men and he tells him, drop all your weapons. All you need is this lamp and this horn. That's weird. Like, that, why? Like, if I was like one of the 300 soldiers, I would be like, there's been a lot of tests here so far. Is this a joke? You want me to grab a lamp and a horn? And oh yeah, I want you to also grab a pitcher that you just, you can drink from and stuff, but I want you to cover your lamp. Okay, so Gideon spreads out his men into three different groups, these 300 men. And they creep down towards the camp and they're watching Gideon for his cue. And he instructs them when to blow the trumpet and when to break the pitcher so the fire is shown bright. And they yell, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And when this happened, it created a great noise. And Gideon's men yelled, but they did not attack. Like, I don't know about you, but whenever I think of Gideon, like whenever I hear the name Gideon, I'm like, he's a warrior. He must have killed so many people, like by himself. Just like, 
says here that they stood there and just yelled. They didn't even engage with the enemy. When God's on your side, you don't even have to engage with the enemy. You just have to show up to the fight. And so I want to encourage you with a few verses here because some of us need to be reminded today, we've heard it a little bit already, but some of us need to be reminded today that God fights for us. In Exodus 14, 4, it says, the Lord will fight for you and you only need to be silent. Second Chronicles 20, 17 says, you will need... Need to, you will not need to fight in this battle. Stand firm, hold your position, and see the salvation of your Lord on your behalf, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid and do not be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them and the Lord will be with you. Deuteronomy 24. For the Lord your God is he who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to give you the victory. Deuteronomy 3.22. You shall not fear them, for it is the Lord who fights for you. Isaiah 54.17. No weapon that is fashioned against you shall succeed. And you shall confute every tongue that rises against you in judgment. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and their vindication from me, declares the Lord. So from what I see from this story, there's two types of people. There's those who get sent home and there's those that carry the fire. I wanna be a person who knows how to carry the fire. I wanna be the kind of person that teaches other people how to carry the fire. I wanna raise children that know how to carry nation-changing fire. If you wanna be a good warrior, you have to be a good worshiper. The thing that I've learned in my life, like, you know, you learn something, but then you like learn it again, and then it's like a different depth, and you just keep learning the same things over and over, but just different depths. There's one thing I keep learning, it's that Big public victories are won because of small, consistent, private devotion. You know, in ancient warfare, there were like a small, a very small number of torchbearers for a certain number of larger soldiers. So when the Midianites saw the 300 torches, they figured that the attack on them was much bigger. And God gave these people fire because they laid everything else aside God gives extravagant victory to those who will put everything down for him. Worrying about things is not gonna change it. Trying to figure out why, spending all your time questioning things is not gonna change it, and I say that from experience. Like I look at this story and I think about things in my life and I question so much in my life. Like growing up, I was about 11 years old, I got molested. I was like, why? Like, God, why wouldn't you protect me? Then I'm about 24. My husband leaves me and has an affair and we get a divorce. I'm like, why, God? Like, I saved myself for marriage. Why would you allow that to happen? Throughout my life, I've had different, like, doctors at different times tell me I'm gonna have a terminal illness. And I'm like, why? Like, there's times where I feel like I'm not good enough or I feel like I'm not gonna make it or whatever the things are. And you just go, why? Like, God, why would you allow this? Or what are you doing with this? And you know what's interesting in this whole story is that the Bible never says that these soldiers went to war with any weapons. You know, I think about this, I think, what if the men who left knew that they wouldn't even have to fight the enemy? What if you understood that God was already fighting for you and in victory in every battle you were in? You would act different. You would live different. You would walk different. You would talk different. When something happened, you wouldn't be like, oh, poor me. It's just, this is happening. It's so sad. Have you heard? You know, like, I, 
I've heard it said, if you tell more than two people, you're just looking to talk. You're not actually looking to change anything. And I think about how this is, Gideon's story is the greatest story of spiritual warfare. They didn't touch any weapons. They laid down their weapons for God and they followed him with fire and a horn and he won. In 2 Corinthians 10, three through four, it says, for though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. Our weapons are not physical, but have divine spiritual power to destroy strongholds. You know, once the Midianites heard and saw Gideon's army, their reaction was wild. They started killing each other. Imagine that, like, they're like, ah! and all of a sudden they turn to their friend and like just, they start defeating each other. And the guys just stand there and watch it happen. That's weird. Maybe you've been so focused on what you lost or what you're running from that you've maybe overlooked the fact that God wants to change the world through you. But you have to choose to set everything else down if you want to have the victory I'm talking about today. I probably say this verse maybe every time I ever speak because it's like a life verse and I just think it's really true. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. But he said to me, my grace is all you need. My power is strongest when you are weak. So I'm very happy to brag about how weak I am. Then Christ's power can rest on me. We have a God who loves weakness. Why? Because that's where his strength is made perfect. When you're outnumbered, when you're in over your head, when you're unable to complete the impossible, you're exactly where God wants you. So my question is, in those times and in general in your life, are you choosing to stand on what God says and who God says that you are, or are you depending on the faulty philosophies of our culture? Are you adding things? Are you filling things to make you feel better and looking for a sign, reading your horoscope in whatever magazine, looking for your star number, or I saw a quote on Instagram and that was, that was the filler, like why not get in the face with God and actually hear what he has to say about you? And your situation. You know what's interesting? I, I had this like internal check. I, I don't really say this to people unless they're asking for my mentorship. But like I had this internal check a couple years ago that it was like, you know, people like to gossip and talk about things. But like, or complain about things, you know. That's a, that's a fun thing to do sometimes, just vent. Um, but I had this thought that I continue to check myself on. Before I talk to someone else about it, have I talked to God about it? Have I gotten his perspective on it? Because he's the one that knows how it ends. He's the one that knows how to get where I want to get. So the story of Gideon is the first time ever in the Bible that we see the words Jehovah Shalom, the God of peace. And God is our peace. Whatever you're fighting today, God wants you to have peace. The Bible talks about this like a peace that passes all understanding. I love to think about this because I told you I'm a visual person. I don't have a clip to play for you about this, but y'all know what I'm saying. If you've ever seen an action movie, everything's blowing up around these people and they're like, and you're like, shrapnel and glass would be hitting them right now. I don't know why they're so calm. I'd be like, <laughs> but these people, there's explosions around them and they're just like, you know, that's what peace that passes all understanding looks like doesn't matter what's blowing up around you. doesn't matter what's happening in America. doesn't matter what's happening with anything else. You're just like, I know whose side I'm on. I'm good. And you know, I love, I love that God wants us to be reminded 
that, are, that the enemy fears us. Because a lot of times, like the devil, like people will give him a lot of credit. And, you know, people say things all the time like, you don't know what I've been through. You don't know what I'm going through. First of all, God does for sure know what you're going through. But second of all, a lot of times we get so stuck in our past or what's happened that we become victims. And the only victim, truthfully, in our entire story between us and God and the devil is the devil. Like he'll try to remind you of your past and the things that didn't work for you and how you're not that good and you've been through all this. But like, I'm sure you've heard it said, when the enemy reminds you of your past, you just remind him of his future. Because we already know that he loses and we win. So why are we walking around like we're losing? You're a winner even when you think you're losing. You're on the winning team. You have a chance to be. So, you know, church, a lot of people come to church and they want to get filled or they want to detach from the world. But church is a place that God wants you to get equipped so you can change things by changing yourself. So if you ever feel like confronted or conflicted or, oh, I don't like the way that feels when they're saying that, the best thing that you can do instead of going and telling your friend, they said this in my church today, or like, can you believe this happened? Ask God, God, what do you want me to get out of that? Because maybe you felt that way for a reason. Maybe there's something even I'm saying today that you might not like or doesn't feel comfortable, but God's trying to do something in you through it. You know, I've learned through this story that the greatest warriors aren't made because they have the biggest army or the best weapons. They're made because they know whose side to be on. The greatest warriors don't win battles because they fight the best. They win because they know who's actually doing the fighting and they follow him. Our job is to just lay down what we think we need, what we think we're holding on to that makes us feel safe. And don't just be the person who sees the victory or sees the fire, but to be the person who actually carries the fire who understands the authority that you have and that you don't have to get all mixed up in everything, but you can actually just show up to the fight and God's like, I got this. You know, I was telling my brother a story in between services and <laughs> him and his wife were like, I didn't know the doctor ever told you that something that you had was gonna be terminal. I'm kind of a private person. I seem extroverted, but I actually, I do keep a lot to myself. <laughs> And I was telling him this story that happened to me and I just think it's interesting because a lot of us feel like, man, like God sent Gideon an angel. He spoke to him. Like if God would just speak to me, I would follow him into battle, but I need him to tell me things. God's always sending people around us. God's always sending people to stand with us and to worship for us sometimes. So I'll just tell you this quick story and I want us to do something, but I was in my early 20s and I got these blood results back and I had like a lot of weird stuff going on at that point. I wasn't sure what was going on, but I just kept going from doctor to doctor to doctor. And the doctors basically told me that, I'm pretty sure it's called ANA. My ANA levels were 700 and they should have been about 70. And so they'd sent me to a hospital where there's this rheumatologist and these specialists and they were gonna like narrow down what it was and they were kind of like set me in a room and prepared me. My mom came with me and I was just like, I was in a whole different place. You know, I was like trying to listen to what they're saying. I'm trying to like also have faith. And I remember the doctor told me, she was like, okay, these are like one of four things that you might have and we're gonna narrow it down and then we'll figure out your treatment plan. And I don't know why, but out of me, I just said, no, thank you. And she was like, ma'am, I know it's hard. I have to tell you this, like I'm here to help you. I said, I don't receive that over my life. 
And so if you've ever been to a hospital at a specialist like that, they, they send you this big blood area where they take your blood for all different doctors, like a blood bank area. And there's like all these little stalls and I'm sitting in a stall. And I just remember at this point, like I was, I was like trying to have faith, but I was so mad. Like I felt so mad and I'm sitting there and my mom, my mom, she's so sweet. But this lady, this lady comes up to me and she's like from this small African town and she's here as a nurse. Like she lives here now and she's working and she's just sitting there humming, being so sweet to me. And I'm just not being sweet. I'm just being honest. I'm not, I was like mad that I was even in that situation. And my mom turns her and she goes, do you love Jesus? <laughs> and I'm like, can we just get this blood and go? Like, and she goes, oh yes, I love Jesus. And I'm like sitting there like listening to them talk. I'm not saying anything. And she had been humming this whole time, which I'm like, this is kind of strange. Like, cause everyone can hear us. There's tons of people in this room. And she's just humming really loud. And she's like, I'm so sorry. I don't know why. I just feel like I need to sing this to you. And so she starts singing to me in her language, which I don't know what she's saying. And she, she's singing out loud. I'm like looking around like these people, does she do this with everybody? Like how does she still have a job? You know, so she's like singing and you know, God knows how to check our spirits. But so she goes, do you know what that means? I'm like, of course I don't know what it means. So I'm like, no, I don't know what it means. She says, it means God is faithful and he will always come through. And instantly I started getting emotional. I didn't show her that. But it's crazy because my blood work came back and it was perfect. And they were like, we must have made a mistake. But I'm like, God could have done something there. And I, I think about, man, how many times in my life has God sent someone or how many times in my life has God put me in a position to just be close to him? You know, people used to ask me like, how have you gotten through a divorce and you're okay? How have you gotten through this and you're okay? And I can tell you, my only answer is that I've stayed in the presence of God. I don't have any other answer. Counselors are great, but they can't fix you. Doctors, are, doctors reports, like they're not gonna heal you, but God can. And in this, we see the visual of people that lay down what they have. They lay down their power, they lay down their strength and they surrender. And those are the people that are gonna carry the fire. Those are the people that are gonna get victory, not just get to watch the victory. I wanna be a part of the victory. I wanna be a warrior. I wanna be someone who God can count on. And so today, I want us to do something because some of you guys might be like, I'm not a good singer. I don't really like to worship. Worship is a way of living and acting. Has nothing to do with your, if you're a good singer or not. But I wanna pray with you and then I want us to sing like together just as like a practice because we can't practice living your life right now but we can practice worshiping God and to actually drink correctly so that you can walk out of here with a new fire and walk out of here knowing your position in the kingdom and walk out of your understanding. You don't have to hold on to all the things that make you feel comfortable and safe, but today we can choose, like that's what lifting your hands is, you're choosing to actively let God have everything. It's safe to stay here. It's safe to, to not engage, but when you engage, guess what happens? Victory happens. So when you don't have the answer, the answer is worship. 
So I just want to pray for two people today, and then we're going to just sing a short part of a song. But if today you're, you're sitting here and you're saying, man, I need to either lay down my weapons and trust God more because I want to carry the fire. Or maybe like there's just some kind of fight going on and you want to get on that side of victory. If you would just raise your hand, I'm just going to pray for you. It's awesome. And maybe you're the person that you're like, you know what, I haven't been living for God. I, or maybe I don't even know God, but I want to be with the winning side. Like I want to come back to the winning side. You know, a lot of times during this part in the service, people will say like, bow your heads and close your eyes. But I don't do that when I'm up here because I believe that first of all, this is a place where we're going to celebrate you. But if you won't like raise your hand here, you won't live it out there. And that's the whole point of being a Christian is that you are out there different. Not just that you believe different and think different, but you live different. And it starts here by taking an action as simple as raising your hand between you and God, just saying, that's me. So if that's you and you're like, I need to either come back to God or I wanna just know God for the first time, raise your hand, we're gonna all pray together. Awesome. So if you would just stand up with me and we're gonna bow our heads and close our eyes. I'm just gonna pray, God, I thank you for every single person that raised their hand for the first thing. God, I pray that you would equip them right now, that you would give them wisdom and knowledge and understanding, divine favor with you and divine favor with men. God, I thank you that no matter what they've been through, no matter what they're going through, God, when they're with you, they're on the side of victory. God, they're on the side that wins. So I just pray right now that you would give them a peace that passes all understanding, that you would give them a boldness and a courage to follow what you asked them to do, that they would get in your presence, God. They would engage with you so they can hear from you. Not, not just what the world looks like, not just what it feels like right now, but they would know your truth in the midst of what's happening in their life. And for those other people that you wanna receive Jesus, I just want everyone to pray this out loud together. So everyone say, God, thank you for loving me. I receive and believe that you sent your son to die on the cross. Thank you for loving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe to our channel on iTunes and YouTube. That way, you know when a new sermon has been uploaded. Also, if this message has impacted you and you want to contribute to help us reach more people, feel free to go to elevate.life forward slash give. We look forward to seeing you here next time.